right. It's been a great weekend. Really excited about the opportunity to uh, just celebrate that uh, this morning. Uh, as you know, some of our people have uh, their Grace Hills uh, Incredible Race shirts on, and uh, we have the opportunity to wear them every week and every day of last week and even on Sunday. And uh, I just want to let you know that I wore it every day this week and on Sunday, and I haven't washed it yet. So uh, anyway, you might want to <laughs> stay clear of me at the picnic. But, but we were excited about just uh, inviting the children and uh, hopefully filter down into their parents as well uh, to join the incredible race. And really, it is an incredible race as you think about God's plan for us. Anything that you, uh, you somehow describe that God does, uh, you, you can add adjectives to it. Uh, probably the most familiar one for us, put in a song, is when we think about grace, we think of, oh my, this is going to be a long Sunday. When we think about grace, we think of, uh, let, let's say with some little enthusiasm, we think of amazing grace. And as we think about a race, if God's going to put us on a race, we think of, uh, no, 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 now we're going to change the words here. Now we're going to change incredible race. Let's try that. Now when we think of being in a race, we're thinking of a... Uh, Incredible race. So as we think about last week, it was uh, an incredible week because we were just helping people see our incredible God who puts us on an incredible race, but you could also say in an incredible race because God is the one who puts us all together. And, and that was really the message as we really wanted to communicate clearly what, uh, what God had to say. And, and we used, as you can imagine, every means possible to communicate that. Not only through a, a set like this, which uh, in the lives of everyone here, they were visualizing all kinds of things that, that God might do in an encounter that people might have in life. And I think we all realize that in life, life happens, right? And sometimes things happen that you're not particularly prepared for. And so as you look, think of this particular plane that doesn't look particularly healthy at the moment, it had a crash landing in the, in the middle of the Amazon. And, and then people had to somehow deal with that and, and recognize where's God in the midst when things go wrong. And maybe for some of you this morning, that, that's really where you're coming from. You realize that things have gone wrong, not only in the distant past, but maybe in the, in the real uh, close present in terms of uh, your life, and you're wondering, where, where is God? And, and maybe you're more, you're more filled with questions about your future, and as you think about presenting who God is, and as we think about Jesus, it's not only how Jesus was, but is and, and, and is to come. And so that is really the message that we want to communicate. And I'm going to show you in a few moments a video so you can kind of experience some of the enthusiasm of the week. But what I want to do today, and um, trust me, I have, have more things to say than I want to say, but we want to give you a glimpse of not only what happened, but really what is the message of what happened. And so we're going to take uh, the main passages uh, this Sunday uh, uh, as far as, as the, we challenge the children and the leaders to, to memorize, which just kind of brings everything together as far as what, what is God's plan from the beginning to the end of what God has for people because of his in, amazing grace, his, his incredible plan that puts us on the incredible race to experience his love, which filled with all the depth that only God could, could somehow put together that we might know his plan. You know, as you think about the gospel, the gospel's for all ages, isn't it? And I've had the privilege of baptizing people in their late 80s as well as uh, those much younger than that. And, and really, we're going to have a baptism next Sunday. And if uh, you've never made that step of publicly demonstrating your faith, then let us know about that because that's an opportunity to show the world that you're unashamed of what really happens when you commit your life to Christ. It's not simply praying a prayer, and a prayer doesn't really uh, bring a person in the family of God. It's really a commitment of the heart to who God is and really trusting and believing in who he is and his plan for your life. Uh, but as we then uh, proclaim what that is, it's as our old life is now dead. And now as we come up, illustrated by out of the waters of, uh, 
a baptismal pool or a lake or stream or ocean. It's, it's the new life we have in Christ. And as we, as we think about the privilege that we have, we have the privilege of, of getting that message out to every age, to every part of the world, to every, every person of every language group, whatever it might be. And, and that's what we should be excited about. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Commanded you. And I, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as we think about presenting the message of Christ, uh, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, uh, as they embrace and as we embrace the message of Jesus, uh, that's, that's the first most important step, but then the journey continues. And that's why we have church. That's why we do church. That's why we gather together because we want to know God's word and follow it and be obedient to it. But as we think about that, we, we need to understand it's, it's a message for everyone. If you have your outline this morning, what I, what I put there is I put the memory verses for this past week with a few other added uh, parts to those passages. And we memorized from a translation. I, I have one of those Bibles, English Standard Version. So it was, it was a challenge for me a little bit to memorize from a different translation. But, it, uh, but all the translations are really are excellent ones for us in the English world to understand God's truth. And, and literally what we did with the children this, morning, uh, this week was taking from the very beginning the book of Genesis, which the word Genesis, Genesis has the idea of beginnings, uh, then to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, which is the unveiling of who Jesus is and the finale, finality of his plan and what, what's going to happen in the very end. And, and we began with the theme verse, uh, which is in Revelation chapter 7. And after this, I, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from, every, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before God and standing before the throne. And as you stand before the throne, uh, you could see people clothed with white robes, with their hands holding palm branches, a, a symbol of celebration. And with a loud voice that cried out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And, and really, that, that is what we really ought to proclaim. And with a loud voice, whether it's the volume of your voice or the excitement or enthusiasm in your heart, it, it's, this is the message. There is a rescue plan that God has. And that rescue plan is only one that he can accomplish. Salvation belongs to our God. And his means is, is the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, to the Lamb that bore our sins on the cross. And, and who's it for? It's for everyone from every nation, from every tribe, from every people group, from all languages. And really what you have in the picture of Revelation is you have the end of, of God's unveiling of who he is and his plan. And before Revelation chapter 7, there's chapters 1, chapters 2, and 3, and 4, and 5, and 6. And it really launches into what God is going to do, as I understand this, this last book in the Bible, is, is God gives us a picture of what's going to happen. And in chapter 1, he, he unveils Christ not, not in his humility, and he came as a servant, a suffering servant, but in his glory. And he tells John, he says, I want you to understand that this is the message I want you to record. I want you to record what you've just seen and he pictures Christ in his glory. But then I want you to write down what is happening right now and look in the future what will be. And in chapters 2 and 3, he, he writes about the churches, the churches that were alive in that day. And, and those churches alive in, the, in those days were just like churches today, uh, were faithful or unfaithful. And, and that's going to happen until Jesus comes again. But there's going to come a point in time where God said, enough is enough. And, and now I'm going to finish it all off. In chapters 4 and 5, you have the picture of what's happening in heaven is, is he's preparing the earth to receive the judgment 
the consequences from rebelling against him. But we get a picture in Revelation chapter 7 as he, as he unfolds what he's going to do and he preserves 144,000, as I understand that, Jews from every tribe that are going to be his spokesmen that are be going throughout the world. Can you imagine the world having 144,000 Apostle Pauls just presenting the message of Christ everywhere? And he will do it in so many dramatic ways to get people's attention and cause them to understand that this is the most important commitment anyone can make of any age, out of any location, language group, people group, that salvation belongs solely to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb who came to pay the penalty for our sins. And then he gives that picture of what's happening here on earth that will then bring people up into heaven, and they will sit before the glorious God and give him praise. And really, when you think about what really is the ultimate plan for us to live out is that we are to live to God's glory. We are to, in our lives, know the one who is glorious and then just manifest him to everyone so that people can see God in us. But for that to happen, we need to realize not only as we look at the end of the picture, we say, well, how did this all begin? And really, when you think about Genesis, again, it's the, it's, the, it's the word of God that speaks about the beginning of God's unfolding of who he is and what he is to do. That in Genesis, we have, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created the heavens and the earth, we know that the Bible describes how God looked at his handiwork. He said it was good. It was all good. And then when he made us, again, whatever age we are right now, we can know this for sure, that when every single person that we set our eyes upon... God has made them in his image. Uniquely mankind, humankind, is, is such a way that God has put his imprint on us. And so when God began the whole story of history, it began with God saying good, and then when he made us, it was very good. But, but God gave us an opportunity to respond to him. And, and as Adam and Eve were in the garden, a perfect environment, but their character had not been settled they, they had a choice to make. Are they going to fall after God? Or are they going to fall after their own selfish desires? Tempted by an evil one, but they had that choice to make. And, and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that they, they chose to rebel against God. And there were consequences. God in his gracious just to not bring immediate physical death, but they were cast out of, the, out of that perfect environment, the Garden of Eden. And then from Genesis 1 through 11, and we, we kind of race through that with our children. This is how God's plan unfolded. It began good, very good, but because of our sin, we rebelled against God. And the generations passed, and Cain and Abel, they, they rebelled against other, each other, and there was sin, and the first murder that's recorded in the Bible. And then in chapter 5, you have the generations of those who live and die, live and die. And then in chapter 6, we have the story of, of mankind being so desperately rebellious toward God that evil was rampant in the entire planet. And God brought judgment with the flood. And God rescued with Noah and, and his generation. And you have 6, 7, and 8, and 9. And, and then you have the generations of chapter 10. But then in chapter 11, though God had been gracious in preserving a, a, a race, and this is how we're all in the race, because we're in the human race, that mankind still rebelled against God. And God had given some very simple things he wanted us to do. He wanted us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the entire world. But they became so, so enamored with what they were able to do, they, they, they felt they really didn't need God. And, and they were building a tower to demonstrate their ability to, to, to live life apart from God. 
And, and then we, we, we see so clearly that not only through Adam and Eve, but through every other life that has come from there, that not only do we sin because that's our nature, but we choose to sin. And so we told the, the children the very bad news before they could hear the good news. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the what? The glory of God. And so as we think about all of us have the imprint of God upon our lives, we, we are made in God's image, but we are, we are a marred image. We are a damaged people. We are damaged because there's sin in our life. And so that's the beginning of the story. But as we go from there, we recognize that the God put up a roadblock. He said, I, I don't want you to continue on your own ways. I, I want to force you to understand that you desperately need me, and, and I'm going to disperse you throughout the entire planet. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 9, it said it, 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 its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. And the word Babel, and some of us heard the story of Babel, that's where everyone initially had one language, and God took those who had one language and said, I'm going to confuse you so you understand that you're not to stay in this place. And languages began to multiply, and the people, to be able to communicate and work together, they had to, they had to form groups, and then they began to disperse throughout the entire planet on the earth. And as we think about, you know, God has a particular language he wants everyone to experience, and that really is the language of love, but he wants them to understand that that the only way you can understand the depth of love is to understand the author of love. And the Bible is filled with that message. The most familiar message, obviously, is described in in John 3.16, and as as we try to portray all kinds of ways to illustrate uh, truth of the children, there, there were globes, and on that globe, there's John 3.16, for God so loved the, the world, that he gave his only begotten son to that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And, and that's the message we wanted to communicate, that God loves every single one of you. But as you understand, uh, it's so easy to get off course, and when you get off course, you need someone to put you on, uh, on course, right? And sometimes we need a, a compass, and this is actually a personal gift from a family who have noticed that, you know, I actually got in the play. They didn't let me play, but the very end line is that some people get lost, just like Pastor Mike, all right? So, and we need people to point us the right direction, don't we? And in a creative way, in the science project, they learn how to make their own compasses. And really, it's, again, it's an object lesson to realize that God wants us to know that He is the way. He is the truth. He is alive. No one comes to the Father but through me. So the message in the Bible and the message of the church, the message of Jesus is I want to point people to the right path, the only path to get on. In the midst of living in a confused world with languages everywhere and people in every different parts of the world, which was always his plan, that you can't depend upon yourself. You need to look the one you can only depend upon to be rescued from this life. As we were sharing with the children, sometimes we wonder, well, well how, how come there are so many people that look differently than, than other people? In fact, just look around. Just look at how different you look. Funny, you look peculiar. Some of you look strange. Just look at the strange people all around the room. Now, you know, why, why, are, why, why are people different? Why, why are people of different shapes and sizes and heights and, and even color of, of skin? 
And, and we look at it, it's not as complicated as we think it is. It, you know, as you think about it, one, one statistic is, as you think about people throughout the world, and you look at all the things that make up a humanoid, if you want to put it in that terms, there's only 0.2% difference between any person in the entire planet. Of all the things that we have in common, there's only 0.2%, 99.8%, you know, um, differences. I mean, the similarities only 0.2% differences. Why is that? Because we all came from the same source, God. And even the differences, well, how do you explain it? Because of the DNA mixtures between people, you bring them together. And even, even as you look at colors, uh, melanin. Melanin is a particular part of a chemical in our body that makes the difference between the shades of color we are. And one of the things that was shared in the refueling station, which is what was called where um, Bill and John and, and Matt uh, taught the lessons, is, is you think of how people look differently, even just on, a, on the most superficial level, which is the skin color. That really, we, we're, all, we're all the same color, just different shades. Really, if you put our, all our faces up the background between either a pure white or a pure black, uh, none of us are pure white or pure black. What we all are shades of brown. And some of us have darker shades and some of us have lighter shades. And how do you explain it? Well, melanin really explains that. I know even within our family, if you looked at the difference between, uh, um, you know, this is a place of truth. I want to let you know that I didn't buy the flowers. You know, I can't really say, Alice, I got these flowers. Someone else was much more gracious in that way. I usually buy plants, you know, because they don't die as much. But, you know, some people buy flowers. Okay. So, um, but, I mean, both Edda and and Alice deserve the flowers flowers that someone got them. I should have done it. But anyway, but if you, if you look at the difference between Alice's arms and my arms, you know, Alice has this really beautiful skin color on her arms, you know, and, and uh, you look at mine, I got blotches everywhere, you know, what's the difference? Well, it's DNA and it's the amount of melanin in our, in our, in our bodies. And if you look at even our kids, it's interesting between like um, Mark and, and some of, and like Matt, okay, and Matt's been here often. And you, if you look at when Mark is out in the sun, you look at when Matt's out in the sun, you know, when Matt's out in the sun, he becomes so dark. I mean, I just, I don't even recognize him, he gets so dark. And you look at Mark when he's out in the sun, he just becomes red, okay, you know, what, what's, what's the difference? In fact, uh, I was just wondering, I was watching that video, is, is Mark going to do Christian rap next, uh, next week? Uh, anyway, so anyway, so... Um, you know, as you think, it's just one little thing that makes a difference between us all. And, and we need to understand that we are all part of one race, the human race. We, we are all part of that singular group of creation, creation that has life to it. We're, we're all of the same race, the race that's been marked by God, God's image upon our lives. And so above all peoples in this world, those who really understand the message of the scriptures, the message of the gospel, the the message that God has put in this book called the Bible, is that we have no reason ever to feel superior or inferior to anybody. We're we're all of the same race. God, God so loved the world, and everyone in the world is a human. No one better than the other. And that's the message that you see all that has happened. And as we look at the differences, that's built in without how he's made us in our DNA. But we all came from the same source, Adam and Eve. 
And so the message here is that we want people not only to, to know the Savior, but to live that out and to treat everybody the same as important in God's eyes. A number of weeks ago, uh, months ago, we, we looked at how, how should, whenever we look at someone, not only should we see someone as part of the human race that we're in, but see that every person that we put our eyes upon are people that we should desire, that we want them to populate heaven. Because Jesus not only made them, but Jesus died for them. And, and there's no one that we would not want to experience God's grace and mercy. So as we think about the, the journey, the incredible race that we're on, we're in the incredible race and we're part of the human race, we understand that as we think about what happened to God's plan, uh, we sin. Uh, how do we understand what's happening all around the world as God dispersed people throughout every corner of this globe because he didn't want people to somehow feel they could be self-sufficient and also they were disobedient to his clear plan. I want you to repopulate, I want you to populate the entire world. It is, is we emphasize that also in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And we only had them uh, memorize a very short part of it. It says, and he made from one man every nation. Now, the, the whole message there is, is interesting. I put a little bit more of it in your, in your text this morning. But it says this, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined and allowed periods in the boundaries of their dwelling places that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. You know, it's interesting, if you think of the context, and we didn't have the opportunity to really go in the context with the children, but this is the Apostle Paul speaking to a group of intellectuals. And now, how do, you, uh, how do you know the difference between a person who thinks he's an intellectual or not intellectual? Just talk to him, all right? You know, some people think they're smarter than the, you know, the smartest person in the room. Well, basically, that's what Greeks thought. They were the smartest people on the planet. And so Paul came, and, and Paul was a pretty good communicator, and so he was speaking. They say, hey, I, we want you to come where everybody's at and give us your message, and he, uh, he really spoke into their lives because, you know, you have, you have a statue before, for an invisible God. Well, why would you want to have a statue for an invisible God? Because there's a real God that you can know. And, and I want you to understand that, that God has made everyone the same. And everyone needs the one who has come for them. And then he, he brought them to the, the, the resurrection. And, and so as we think about not only how people today somehow miss it by thinking one race is superior to another. That has always been the case. And if we're going to deal with the sin of racism, the, the best way to s- deal with the sin of racism, and the only way, substantively, is to change the heart. It's, it, what we believe, what we're convinced of that is true will change how we live. And if we are convinced that everyone comes from God... And then every race is part of the human race. Then we'll treat people the same. And then we will desire fervently and passionately that they would come to know the God who created them and sent his son to die for them. On day four, we, we went to the gospel. And we've already had Etta share with us that, uh, that, that brought the children to the place where we, we wanted you to answer some questions. As you hear the good news and the message, are you at that place right now where you want to put your faith, your trust, your reliance, your life in the hands of Jesus for the very first time? 
Or, or, or can, can you honestly say that, 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 you, that you want to explore that a little bit further? And, and if that might be the case, we desire that the seeds that you heard of truth this week that you might desire later on to consider, is that the step you want to take? Or if you've already made that commitment, uh, are, are you desirous to continue your walk with Jesus and to live that out? You know, the Bible says very plain in 1 John 4, 14, that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And that, that storyline was, was declared even in the, in the book of Genesis, that, that when man sinned, there was going to be one who was going to be sent to rescue mankind to Himself. When you think about the message of the incredible race, when you think about the message that we want to make clearly at Grace Hills Church, when we think about the message that's found in this book, it's really all about Jesus, isn't it? Because that really declares the plan. And the plan has always been the plan. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior, the Rescuer of those who are in this world. But even if uh, we have uh, closed our incredible race with the children, we are to live that out. And we are to live that out concretely. In 1 John 4, 14, and we left out the first part of that, beloved, but if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In fact, let's just say that together, and we'll, we'll add the word beloved. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's do it again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And as we finish off the, the week uh, with this message, now go out and do that, we have to be honest with ourselves, right? We have to be honest because it's not always that easy to, to love people that maybe don't love you in return. It's not always easy to love, uh, sometimes you can say EGR people, extra grace required people. It's not, it's not easy to love people who have hurt you or have hurt people that, that you really care about. It, it's, not, it's not easy to, to love when you just don't feel like loving, right? And really when you think about what, what, is, the, what is the opposite of faith, and sometimes we get to say, well, it's, it's just simply not having faith. Or, right? What's the opposite of believing, not believing? What's, happen, what's the opposite of trusting, just not trusting? And, and that's probably true, but in many ways for the believer who have made that first step, what, what's the opposite of faith? It's, it's not living by faith, it's living by feeling. When, when we, we somehow justify what we do or don't do, basically, and say, well, I just, I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't feel like doing it. I just, I just didn't, didn't want to make that step. And what God is calling his people to be is to be people who radically follow Jesus. And how we radically follow Jesus is to treat everybody in the incredible race, in the human race, with the love that God has loved us with, that we might spill that love out over others. And there's probably no more challenging illustration of that than when Jesus told the the story of the Good Samaritan. It's one everybody knows, but we don't always live out, right? As, as we think of a, a traveler on a very dangerous road, the Jericho Road, of being assaulted and robbed and left basically for dead, and then all the religious folk begin to walk by, and they, and they walk by. 
than one who you would not have expected to, to demonstrate love, the Samaritan toward a Jewish man, stopped, went out of his way to, to bind his wounds and then pay for his needs. Not only said he loved them, but demonstrated his love. In 1 John 3, it says that let us not love simply in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that's how we're supposed to love out the challenge. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so as we end this review of the incredible race, the incredible week of reaching out to children and families and and those who came on our campus, as we, as we challenge each one of us who were, who, were, who were leading to not only take those principles we were teaching, but to see how the application could be for our lives. God wants us to be on the incredible race of living out what it means to know God and get that message out to others. And really, it really begins understanding that, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the, is the Savior and Rescuer of everyone on this planet. And the best way we can communicate this message is to reach out in love, show them that love, and then tell them about the love that's found only in Jesus. If somehow this morning you've come today and you haven't made that step, make this the day you make that step. If somehow you've come today and you've never demonstrated your faith in a public way through baptism, then decide to make that step. If you somehow have been walking with Jesus but you haven't been walking as closely as you as you know you have in the past, and decide today you'll make that next step in doing that which God wants you to do. And as we think about that, then we can all together do life much better together by being on the incredible race God wants us to be on. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you are the compass that points us in the right direction, that you are the one that whether we have just made that decision today, that choice, that commitment, or whether we're going to do it in the future, that the only way to get on the right path is to follow Jesus. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning who hasn't made that step, might they simply say, Jesus, I I admit my need and I just turn from my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose again. And now I want to commit and make a choice to follow you as my Lord and God and Savior. And Father, for us who have already made that commitment, we decide again to sign up to race in a strong way for the glory and honor of Jesus by loving those around us. And we praise in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen.